0: Welcome to the Seek Podcast. We are so glad you're here. I'm Erin Falbo, your host for this season. Each week, we're sharing content that dives into the heart of the gospel, who God is, who we are, and what it means to live in relationship with Him. We're excited to walk with you as you encounter the Lord. Brothers and sisters, how's everyone feeling? That was the practice. Brothers and sisters, how is everyone feeling? I really am very grateful for for your presence here. I know that there's a lot of different people from different places. I'm praying and hoping that something that I present here to you here this afternoon, you can take back to wherever it is that, that, that the Lord is calling you because what we have in our times right now is so critically important Indeed, I do believe, I do believe that these times are very important times for the, for the church in a way that is unprecedented in the entire history of our beautiful Catholic Church. Is that a bold statement? Well, there's nothing new under the sun, but in some ways, there's some things that if we don't respond to in a certain way, uh, well... The good news is, is that the Holy Spirit has always worked through us. But this talk is so that we can know where the Holy Spirit is going. So we did, a couple weeks ago, a beautiful, beautiful Christmas um, event for our people in, in the ghetto, okay? Uh, I'm actually assigned to Patterson, New Jersey. And uh, it was a blessing, blessing, blessing. Uh, a couple days before Christmas, we had this, we call it the Christmas extravaganza where we invite people from our neighborhood in. We get like this super elite chef from New York city to come in and to cook them a gourmet meal. And you got to see the people like, Oh my gosh, what is that? It's like, uh, it's, it's, it's salmon with a flambé. It's like, Oh mm -hmm, yeah, I'll take some of that. It's like, it's beautiful to see some of the cultures coming in. And then we give all the kids toys. And like, I, I was struck by what one Young man said, Jamaican. He has a full name, but everybody calls him chicken. He gives us his full name, He said, Yo, just call me chicken. Okay, all right, praise God. Um, <laughs> and he and he said something, he said, you know, how do you do that? And you do what? How do you get all the people here and for them to be happy together? I don't I don't see anyone else doing it like this. Now, do we have a monopoly on on gathering people and helping them uh, be uh, relatively pleasant? No, by no means. I mean, like these last couple days is a testament to that. You know, uh, there's a lot of goodness, but there's there's an insight into what he said. Another time there in Patterson, uh, we, you know, open the door. We don't need television because like, you know, the world happens right outside our door. And, uh, you know, what happened was it was already like in April, May, it was getting warmer and these kids were walking back from school and this one kid got jumped. And so, like, I see it and like I was like reading like philosophy, phenomenology. Right. I was totally reading JP2. I was reading like, you know, the mystics and I'm breaking up this fight. I'm like, yo, in the name of Jesus. He's like, yo, I'm going to get you, son. Yo, come on, let's go. No. And I I turned to the aggressor and I go, yo, what's your name? What? What's your name? I want you to be known. I want you to be seen. I want the almighty to be able to contemplate. I said this on the streets (laughs) of Patterson. And he was just like. My name's Tebow, we're from the north side. Woo! And he took off running. He gave me his tag up and his gang, and then he left. And I think there's something about that, if I can help you unpack that. Because there is an incredible desire of God for you to know that he desires to see you. But so many times this desire in our hearts to be seen and to be known, well, we're pretty much okay with settling for counterfeits. So we got to break that down because the way that it's happening is affecting ministry right now. It's, it's, it's here. It's not coming. It's Right now, do me a favor, look at the person right next to you and say, "Is going on. <laughs> so we need to talk about this because if you're here, you're either very interested in helping other people uh, follow Jesus or you're very interested in deepening your own uh, walking with the Lord. Either way, let's do this. All right, what's your generation? I mean, obviously, I got some added wisdom since the last time you guys saw me. Trust me, it's wisdom. Yo, priests are like a fine bottle of wine. We get better with age. But I'm not a Gen Z. So to a certain certain extent, you know, like it might, might be a bit presumptuous, For me to be commenting on this, I pray that you you receive this with an open heart. Trust everything I'm I'm showing you guys is academically sound. Um, But, you know, okay, so like uh, the World War II generation, the generation that grew up in the Depression, they call them the silent generation, also called the greatest generation. There was a book written about that. Uh, Baby boomers, all those who were born... After, right after World War II, uh, they make a whole bunch of movies on them, you know, like all this other stuff. Some of the, you know, uh, uh, some of these, these cultural phenomenons that we saw in like the 60s, all these other things happened. Then the Generation X, uh, and uh, the, from like the 70s to the early 80s, uh, a couple of things going on with, with Generation X. That's actually where, where I hail from. Uh, millennials, uh, basically, they kind of like... You know, millennials are like the middle child. They only like gave them like 10 years or so, like, you know, 15 years. It's like, you know, early 80s to to mid 90s. And then Gen X. Different people say different things. Some people say from 94 up until now, some people 95. Basically, if you're 25 and younger, you're considered a Gen Z. -er. Uh, Also called iGen, there's a whole bunch of nomenclature out there. We're going to just kind of like go with Gen Z. All right, and so um, a couple things I noticed is that, is that as it goes along, like the generations become like, you know, shorter windows. And there's a reason for that. We're going to get to that later. But uh, so, so this is kind of where it's at. If you're 25 and, and, and younger, you're Gen Z, do me a favor, look at the person right next to you and tell them what generation you're in. Obviously, you're not the silent generation here, okay? <laughs> so, quick, quick principle in the spiritual life. I know this is, this is talking about catechesis and culture, but a quick principle in, in spiritual life. You need to take ownership of your own stuff in order to begin to grow. Amen? <laughs> if, if you know what I'm talking about right there, can I hear you say Amen. Sometimes we spend a lot of time doing circles (laughs) and walking around because we don't take ownership of our own stuff. And when we start to take that ownership, then that's when we begin to grow. Anyway, another talk, another time. But when you kind of like recognize where you're from, you can begin to know who you are engaging. There's this uh, wonderful, wonderful young woman out in California. Uh, Yes. Beautiful young lady, blonde, blue eyes, and she was, she felt called to teach catechesis in an inner city parish. And, you know, it's a little hood. And so she calls me up. I don't know why she possibly would think that I could possibly give her some, you know, advice. But anyway, she calls me up and she says, Father, like, how can I, like, engage these young people? Because, like, I'm obviously not from where they're from. And I said, Look, You be who you are and don't try to be someone that you're not because when you are who you really are, they begin to respect you and they know kind of like where you're coming from. So it's not so much like, you know, like I need to all of a sudden, you know, dye my hair and, you know, like begin to wear flannel shirts. It's it's more so you you saying like, I am who I am. I'm from here and I'm here with you. And they begin to build a rapport. And, 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 and those sort of things. Anyway, so it's important for us to know where we are from to be able to enter into some sort of relationship with Gen Z because this is their user experience. They're doing the math. They're doing like, oh, uh, who is this priest? Oh, Boomer, right? Uh, you know, uh, they're doing the math, and this is a part of the way that they relate to the world. Important to know. All right. Uh, this Generation Z grew up in a different environment than any generation before them. This is very important. They grew up in the age post-9-11. They never knew a time where there was not like post-9-11. It's just, you know, 9-11. Uh, this reality of they've, they've, um, undeclared war has been the reality in our country ever since then, and they've never known a time, really, of true peace. Well, I guess, you know, depending on your definition of true peace. But um, also, uh, the Catholic Church scandals that came out in the early, early uh, 2000s, um, and this has kind of been their reality. For most of us, especially those who are, who are in ministry and clergy, like, we remember a pre-scandal time. And, and for them, this has kind of been their, their norm. Uh, economic recession. This plays into a lot of the information that's available is is marketing-based. Those are the people who have the money for the studies, I guess. Uh, But we're going to kind of like take their information because the the world has wisdom to deal with its own, as it says in the Gospel of Luke. But we have wisdom to put their numbers together to show you what they really mean. Amen. Uh, uh, They are digital natives. Like, for sure, for sure, for sure, they grew up always with the internet for those of us who still remember the sound of a ring of a of a of a dial phone remember when you first got a cordless phone and it was the size of a shoebox remember all those times we look back with some nostalgia on all that Uh, But they've never known that time. I remember when there were no cell phones. Not not having cell phones was normal. And even when people started getting cell phones, I was—I'm—I'm forty-six. I was already in college when that became normative. Um, And I finished college before Facebook. Oh, dating myself there. Dating myself like you're even before Facebook. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yes. Um, But all that said, like we sometimes, those in the earlier generations, including the millennials talk about the way things were before. There is a frame of reference that Gen Z is doing an interesting thing with. I'll get to that. Um, but, but this digital nativity is very important. No matter what you do, no matter where you're going with this, if you are in ministry uh, trying to engage people, if you're discerning God's will as a priest or a religious this plays into it. If you're a formator, this plays into it. If you want to get married, this plays into it. Yo, man, I see some people in some restaurants. I'm like, oh, no, he is not taking his phone out at the table when he has beautiful little Susie right next to him. I'm like, let me find out. Like, I want to sometimes go up there and take the phone. like, bro, there ain't nothing in here. That is better than what you got right there, okay? Appreciate. <laughs> well, that's what I do. Like, I lose it. Like, you know, the, my, my young people know. Like, I lose it when people start checking their phones at the table. Like, excuse me? Uh-uh, not at the table. One time, we were on mission. Uh, we were on mission in the United States, uh, helping these young people. And one of my missionaries, like, trained missionaries, like, at the restaurant, when we're supposed to, like, like be evangelizing, takes his phone out and starts going through YouTube, and I'm just like, I can't lose it on him in front of everybody. But that's just not not what we're here for. Now, it's one thing to kind of like focus in for a certain amount of time, but this has been Gen Z's like entire existence. Um, Those of you who are married or uh, soon to be married, you're going to have to have these conversations of how to introduce technology into your family, or not to, because people, there's some people that are trying to get off the grid, and they realize how much work running a farm is, but, but this is, <laughs> I'm just saying, just saying, you know, it's true, like, I, a, I might be throwing some people under the bus, but they're like, yeah, Father, we just like, you know, we wanna get together, we wanna start a farm, it's like, did you grow up on a farm? Uh, no, I grew up in the city. I grew up working on a farm, let me tell you something, okay? Um, but but there, is, there is a goodness to this, but I think that there also has to be, you know, like a realistic strategic plan sometimes. Uh, we can't just have this pie-in-the-sky dream. We need to have real solutions to deal with technology that is rampant. Those of you in religious communities, you know. You have to have some intentionality about how to deal with technology. Actually, my community... We're, 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 we're drafting a document to kind of like state, this is how we want to have a relationship or not with certain things in technology. And we try to keep it on the prophetic side. But nonetheless, um, most of you will not be CFRs. Although, not kidding. This prophetic call is still yours to carry. I'll let you guys pray about that but this is where we are. Another thing about Gen Z, they are the most diverse generation that this country has ever seen. That's saying something. There's, there's so much diversity, and they are also uh, open to that diversity more than previous generations, which some of you guys might argue, well, that's not really hard. You've got to hear what my grandfather says about those people, right? You know, And that that's that exists, that's a reality. Uh, but there's something about this that's, that's a shift or at least a step. Um, in some of the research that I, I came across, uh, it said particularly in this country with an eye towards ministry, this diversity is especially because of the growth of the Hispanic population in this country. Now, everybody's growing, thanks be to God. 60% of the Catholics in the United States or white, Caucasian, Irish, you know, uh, Italian, German, Polish descent. But 60% of the Catholics under 18 are Hispanic. So therefore, whatever we talk about in Gen Z, it needs to include this enculturation aspect. It just needs to. This is the reality, and it's right now. All that said, this, this... um, openness to diversity within Gen Z, I believe we saw it front and center with a lot of the, 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 the racial tensions of the last couple of years. They have a desire to bring about a true and authentic change. And as I heard in one previous talk, if the church does not lead the way, they will find their own way. Think about that. Um, and so you know, all these things are part of the reality right now in this very diverse generation, Gen Z. Here's the thing that just like blew me away because like I don't know when you say Gen Z, like you know, usually even the Gen Zers they think like, well, we're like mostly depressed, we have a really long, we're really a hard time making a decision, you know, like you know, mental health is probably. But in fact, in fact, the by far Highest uh, indicator of happiness for Gen Z by far is the family. Now, if you're a parent to a Gen Zer, you're like, mm, I don't think so. Because <laughs> anytime she's around, we're not so happy, right? You're like, anytime, it's like always an argument and always a thing. But there, here's the thing like, when, when Gen Z argues, it's not so much uh, as, as an adversarial, it's almost kind of like in a way. Uh, striving to be known, striving to form these things. And also the research has shown, uh, this is I'll, I'll give you the source later, uh, that the prime influencer of people in Generation Z is the family. Not social influencers, so they have an influence as well, but it is in the family, going back, all the way back to what the what John Paul II says, uh, as the family goes, so society goes. So if you are a person of influence in the church, build up the family, teach the family how to be family. JP two said families become what you are. It was prophetic because what he said has even more significance right now. Um, and uh, so here's, here's some statistics that are really interesting. This is from the Varkey Foundation. They did a global survey, like a big monstrosity, I don't even know how much it cost, survey of countries all over. And no surprise, Gen Z basically agreed. For the people over here, I'm going to kind of break it down. 68% of Gen Zers are generally happy. I was shocked. 70% do not feel they have emotional well-being. Hmm. Okay, uh, 63% are for same-sex marriage. 66% of the global gener- Generation Z that they, that they asked, these are like uh, Western countries and Eastern Asian countries, they said, they said 66% are for abortion. 64% have friends of other religions. 42% say religious faith is important. Only 42% whereas 39% say religion has no importance. 89% 89 say parents are the most significant influence in their life, and 84% have faith in technology. They have faith and hope that technology is going to make the world better, but 16 out of 20 are pessimistic about the future. Do you see what I see? My belief, putting a positive spin on this, is that Gen Z is very hope-filled, but at the same time, insecure. This isn't a bad thing. In fact, as we're going to get into it, it is a place of great opportunity. Last year in Sikh, I mentioned something called the Telemachus complex. Uh, Telemachus, son of Odysseus, you Greek scholars, you guys know who I'm talking about, Um, he was the one, he never met his father, but he was waiting for Odysseus to return. Odysseus was going through all these islands, you know, like going into Hades and like getting, you know, yelled at by sirens and like, you know, all this, all these things. And Telemachus was home waiting for the return of the father. There was all these guys trying to like, you know, get with his mom and like marry her so that they could be king. There was disorder in his home, but Telemachus was hoping that when his father returned, he would restore I think that that is a good kind of metaphor for the hope in this generation. However, this generation runs the risk of falling into despair that their father will never return home. In your preaching, fathers, in your talks, staff, talk about the desire of the father to know his children. It works. It works, and it's no secret. We've been doing this for 2,000 years, but it is very, very, very needed today. Um, uh, technology, all right, so uh, a couple, of, like last week, I was in Monterrey, Mexico, at a wedding, and I was really struck. The music, very, very good music, uh, but it was all like my generation music, and I'm looking around, and like, like I know all the words what's going on here, man? I was like, what's, like, these are all my songs. And, like, they all knew the words, too, which reminded me of something that happened when I was in the Bronx. Uh, so I did, I did theater when I, was, when I was in college, and so, like, the brothers said, hey, can you do, like, a drama class for the kids in the Bronx? I was like, yeah. It was awesome, awesome, awesome. The kids wrote a play. They acted the play out. I wish that we could have recorded, but this is kind of even before, you know, like... Cameras had phones, I mean, phones had cameras, you know, and, um, and the kids wanted it to be placed to be, to be the, the time setting, because that's, you playwrights know, setting is very important. They wanted it when disco was fading out and rap was coming into prominence. I was like, mm, early 80s, right? Okay, can we need some songs, we need some disco songs. So I like, called somebody up to burn a CD and they burned all these disco songs, and I play them for these kids, and they know all the words, right? It was like, it was like, ABBA, like dancing queen, na-na-na-na, and like, looking at them, how do they know these songs? I didn't know that somebody had, like, did, like, done, a, like, you know, a, a remake of it. And then one of these, this, this one girl, she just looked at me, it was a brother at the time, ah, oh, Brother Augustino, were the 70s a happy time? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I was a baby. Uh, uh. There's something about nostalgia and Gen Z, even the millennials, that is operative. People in marketing, they'll tell you that when Gen Z feels insecure, when Gen Z feels like there's uncertainty in the world, they're going to go and refuge in nostalgia. So during the pandemic, there was all these Gen Z kids that, that like, binged, watched Friends. Don't raise your hand if that was you. And, and what they're saying is that there's this desire to connect to when the culture was not so much in flux in the hearts of these Gen Zers. Okay? Fair enough. Uh, and I was praying, I didn't... Have I'm not sure if I should go here with this. Well, if I confuse you with, um, with what I'm about to say, don't be alarmed, um, uh, because what I said earlier is that you know, marketing, they, they pull the numbers, but it's really for the philosophers to, to make the connections. Um, there's a quotation that I found from a, uh, a writer. She's, she's based in England. And she said, uh, nostalgia in Gen Z isn't us taking refuge when times are uncertain. It is cultural reappropriation. It is us rewriting history. Because, remember, they grew up, history's broke, the world is broken, the system has failed you. And so we're gonna make it right through technology. Did anybody see like Spider-Man, No Way Home? This is a perfect example of Gen Z methodology. I know, I just said that. But it's true. So Spider-Man has this dream, this bold hubris in this young man that I want to go change this thing back in time, because you know I wanna kinda like, you know, rearrange this. Uh, and pride cometh before the fall. And so him striving to do this brought in all these villains from everything, every, everywhere, and they got captured. And, and, and then Spider-Man said, like, you know, we can help them. We can fix them. We have the technology. So maybe what you'll find in Gen Z is that there's this desire to fix their parents. To fix their family. To fix the world to fix the church because we have the technology. Well, you didn't, you didn't have what I have because I'm a digital native. So let me help you out, Father, right? And I totally need that help because I'm like, how does this thing work? I don't know how this works. It's just like this, Father. It's easy. No, it's not. That wasn't easy what you just did. Um, but uh, so what ends up happening, if you haven't seen the, 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 the movies, uh, I'm going to ruin it. Get over yourself. Um. <laughs> And uh, the other Spider-Mans from the other series come in. Ah, this, this digital connection. You know, I have friends in Turkey and in India, and we talk about the problems in our family. And Not, not me, I'm just like, you know. Um, and, and so this digital connection, we will unite to bring about a, a change. But guess what? The technology um, doesn't fix the world. It, it, it ends up to his, his aunt... Uh, his his anime getting killed, destruction, almost destroying not just the city this time, but the entire universe, and what was required for him to bring about a solution was, brothers and sisters, Spider-Man is a prophet, humility. Spider-Man had to die to his own desires and his own wants for the sake of others, and the end of the story is, is, if Gen Z does this, yes, you will change the world through humility. Is this, is this just a thing? No, my brothers and sisters, I was sharing with Ignacio beforehand, this has all already been written. I don't know if you guys read modern philosophy, it's a dangerous place to read. But like, you know, there is deconstructionism, socialism, Hegelianism rife in what Gen Z says. Now, if you do not have the ears to know how to hear those things, that's fine. If this passes over you, that's fine. If you know what I'm talking about, you know, uh, there's this modern philosopher, uh, Slavov Zizek, that says Christianity is the very path to atheism. That's what he says. He says, what we're doing is we are reappropriating the Christian aesthetic, the Christian beauty, and, and removing its meaning, thus removing its power. That's what they're saying. So they're taking Catholic, like, anyone ever seen like these scary nun movies? Like This is textbook Zizek, but he gets it from someplace else. Alexander uh, Kojev, French-Russian philosopher in the 30s, he broke this down. He said that there will be a conflict between a communism and capitalism and eventually a secular capitalism will triumph. He said that there's this thing called the master-slave paradigm. He's like basically you can summarize all of history by saying there's the masters, there's the slaves. The slaves try to like, you know, overthrow the masters and like this dynamic writes all of history when this, when the slaves overthrow the masters, then they become the masters, somebody else becomes the slave, and everything repeats itself, repeats itself, repeats itself, until there is a break. And he said that this eventually, he said said that this master-slave paradigm, actually, they brought it from Christianity. We're slave to sin, slave in Egypt, we were brought into the promised land and so they're lifting all they're basically taking a christian narrative emptying it from its meaning because the mission of christianity is that there's other people who are enslaved and we need to bring the good news to them the divine commission go to the ends of the earth and baptize in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit this divine commission has been removed of its meaning and now this this mission, very mission-minded Generation Z and the Millennials as well, is to insert the blank, LGBT, uh, you know, uh, uh, gender reappropriation, uh, the environment, uh, you know, etc. Not that um, there's some of these things that that are good causes, social justice, you know, bringing down, uh, you know, s- systems of racism. This is a righteous thing but it is becoming an end in itself. For those who know deconstructionism, it is a removal of the story behind the story. We're doing things because I say that this is true. That's deconstructionism. I assign the meaning to this word. But the problem with that is humanity longs for a mission. And what we're seeing here now, Gen Z, full-on deconstructionism, Millennial, even some of that. And now, I'm sorry, Generation X, deconstructionism. Ah, let's eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow we die. Let me see how much money I can make before the end of my life and retire in the Bahamas or in Playa del Carmen, Mexico, because, like, you know, that's all we have to live for. That's my generation. Competitive and materialistic. And I became a Franciscan. Um Gen X are the parents of Gen Z. And Gen Z is like, no, there's got to be a meaning. There's got to be more. Because I know, and I don't know exactly how Gen Z knows this intuitively, but they know that they were made for more. Okay, so all this is a great opportunity. I apologize, I'm going to go very quickly here. Reaching out as the church to Gen Z, you gotta make it snackable content. If you're working on digital platforms, uh, at the risk of throwing the church under the bus, don't just live stream Sunday Mass. Don't. You have to make content specific for that platform. You have to make content specific to engage. Don't just record somebody's story. We do this all the time. Oh, well, let's just record this, and like, we'll put that on the app. Well, we have an app, and what's on it? Oh, it's all our talks from, you know, uh, sermons in the past. Like, no, Father, you need to make it specifically and short, inform- informative, and entertaining. It's not easy, but it's doable. Basically, like a TED Talk in three minutes, you got this. Uh, speak with Conviction. Gen Z loves people who speak with conviction. Look at like the people who like they disagree with, but they are intrigued with, right? The Jordan Petersons, the, 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 the Ben Shapiro's, they're just like, oh, he's just like, but I can't stop listening to you. There's something about this. You have to be prophetic. Evangelization without a prophetic word is not evangelization. You are not preaching the gospel unless you are letting people wrestle with the difficulty of the story of Christ. In a certain way, we can't be just like super, super nice evangelization model. Like there is is a place for that. I'm not saying don't be... One criticism I have of some of these speakers is that they are not charitable at all, a lot of times. They might be truthful but not charitable. They might be saying something that's very true. There's this, there's this movie a lot of people are talking about, what, what, what is a woman? Um, and it's provocative, but some of the stuff, a lot of the stuff is not charitable. There is a role, especially as, as representatives of the church for that charity. I'll let you guys pray about that to, to ask how the Lord is asking this of you. I'm not saying that you all of a sudden just like voice all of your opinions. No, you need to go to school. You need to study. You need to be formed to speak with conviction. It's not just what you think. We have a gift of the deposit of faith, and this is truly what they are longing for. Educate yourself. Get formed, and then speak with conviction, with charity. Four critical questions. Um, I'm just totally stealing this from from Pat Mencioni on how to build a positive culture in any organization, but definitely in your organization, if you are, uh, you know, head of some sort of ministry, this is more for you. Uh, to form the future, we have to understand there is a path. There's a lot of people who say, like, yeah, you know, Gen Z man, I don't get them. This is millennials. Like, yeah, like I just like totally don't get why they're like that. And there, there, there is a language that needs to be spoken. I offer you this, this path. An event leads to an encounter, which leads to a friendship, which leads to a community, which leads to mission. This is a different take on a couple different things. Um, you know, you have uh, staff members, you guys know that there's, there's definitely a strategy to how you approach somebody, but I just, I, the simple formula, very easy to remember, an event can be anything. It can be just like, well, I... I had an experience. I I, I felt God's presence when somebody prayed over me. Amen. That's an event. But it needs to lead to an encounter. I experienced that. Is this God? Yes. And this encounter, like, whoa, that was God who worked through me, needs to be built up through friendship first and then community. But so that it's not just us looking at each other, eating pizza on Wednesday nights. It has to be outward moving. This isn't a social club. This is the church, the Catholic church that was founded by Jesus Christ. We have to go out. The best way, my my recommendation, is go out to the poor. Go out and help somebody who can't give you anything in return because so many things in our lives are so egocentric. But serving the poor who can't help you and sometimes is very volatile is a way to kill pride. Um, this is what we do in New York. We recognize that there has to be more than just one type of event. If you've ever done an event, you usually do an event for yourself. Oh, well, we're going to bring in this one speaker. He's so wonderful. And you're like, yeah, you want to hear that speaker. But who do the people that you want to reach want to hear? And so we have four types of events. A seeker event like, you don't even know it's Catholic. And I... Some of the stuff that we did when we founded Catholic Underground in New York, it's like, you know, we didn't want to give a talk. Oh, well, how are we going to evangelize? The environment evangelizes, we said, and we held it very strongly. It's been doing pretty well. Acquaintance is somebody who, like, you know, hey, you know, like, I'm going to go. Like, there's this, like, you know, a Catholic swing club. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, I'll go to that. A friend is, like, you know, something. Hey, there's this one talk on Advent. Like, I don't know if you guys want to go. Okay, a disciple is like, this is, this is something like, you know, missionary-minded. I want to go deeper. Uh, where, where can I go? I'm ready to step it up. Um, this is what we found. I, like, literally hundreds of thousands of emails have been distilled into these four things. What I say is like, you got to Bronx translate things. If you're working in the Bronx, you can't just come with your theology you got to break it down in a way that they understand. It's not about you. It's about you learning who they are and translating it for them. Do this with Gen Z. Because sometimes we come with our Catholic-like words and stuff. That doesn't make sense to them a lot of times. Find out what their language is and put it in their language. What do we do? So this is from a study done in Canada of why people were leaving the church what they found is that people were staying in the church and they had these four things in common. Encounter the story of Jesus and wrestle with it, have an experience with God, usually through answered prayer, have a forum where these questions are answered, have a group of peers that model the behaviors that we're learning. Uh, And so, you know, to encounter the story of Jesus is going beyond just the Jesus loves me. It's the Jesus who threw over the tables. It's the Jesus who got, who, who got thrown out of his own town. Allow that through your Bible studies for people to wrestle with that. Um, pray. The One thing we do is like we talk about glory stories. Hey, how is God active in your life? And I'm really grateful for all the people who've come up to me in these last few days that have shared glory stories of how God has touched their lives. Uh, but if I did your confirmation retreat when you were 13, don't come up to me, okay? It's like... It's okay. I know I was there 10 years ago. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm over it. It's not about me. Questions. Don't be alarmed at the questions of Gen Z. Don't be offended. A friend of mine from high school calls me up in the middle of the night. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? Um, Ah, mercy. This happened. It's it's bad. Uh, Her daughter, at a confirmation retreat, her daughter, you know, she has opinions. She's Gen Z. She believes in same-sex marriage. She went to confession because she didn't agree with all the Catholic teaching. And she said this in confession. Obviously, I didn't hear a confession. This was told to me outside. And, uh, and the priest lost it on her. He yelled. Everybody could hear him yelling. I told her that is, hey, maybe father's having like a breakdown. That's not right. That's not normal. You got to address that. But I talked to the girl afterwards, and I say, I'm sorry that he didn't know how to react to you. But I would love to hear why you, you think what you think, why you hold what you hold. And afterwards, her mom, who's like totally spying on the conversation, said that, like she said, it was very different, different in a good way. Don't be afraid of the questions of Gen Z. Listen, wrestle with it, but they're open. Group of peers, you guys have heard this a couple times already, very fo- the, the last one. you got to know yourself to have yourself, to give yourself, to become more than just yourself. Expose Gen Z to this, because within the hearts of Gen Z, as, as in all the human race, but even more so for them, there is this burning desire for meaning. In the void of deconstructionism, this generation is thirsting to belong, thirsting for a mission, thirsting to bring about a change. All those things can be found in the Catholic church. And if you guys team up with me, we team up with other people, and the Holy Spirit got us, Something amazing can happen in these our times. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening, friends. To hear more content from speakers like this, join us for Seek 24 in St. Louis, January 1st through the 5th. Visit seek.focus.org to learn more.